Welcome into State Your Line, a podcast for Kansas Cityans by Kansas Cityans. We are the Ritz Brothers. Today is November 19th, and we get to go into the bye week with a win thanks to the Kansas City Chiefs defense, not the offense this week. Uh, a very frustrating game for the offense, but Danny, thank God the defense stepped up. Yeah, that that was a lot. Um, again, we had the the frustrating thing is we had four, I think four different drives that we had a chance to put the game away. Um, and Andy Reid and oh man, that was frustrating. Frustrating as hell to watch. Yeah, it's definitely Andy Reid's worst game of the year um, as, as a play caller and just coaching in general. Like at the first half, Philip Rivers was. Their game plan was so much better than ours, and mm-hmm. everything Philip Rivers was doing was the right thing to do, and everything our defense was doing was the wrong thing to do in the first half. Luckily, Phyllis threw uh, you know, all those interceptions, but yeah, Andy Reid was definitely getting outcoached in the first half from a scheme point of view, and then in the second half, he just, I, I don't understand why he is so conservative. Like, I don't know if it's like a... I feel like he does it more. He's more conservative in primetime games, too. Like, when when the whole world is watching, when it's not like a noon game and, and you know, the, there's six games going on. When the whole world is watching, that's when he gets most conservative. And there's, uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm big. I've gotten, like, I like the analytics side of football because I think it's interesting and I like looking into all that. And I understand if you're an NFL coach, and you don't like buy a hundred percent into analytics, but Andy Reid had a free. Uh, Andy Reid's lack of understanding of analytics almost lost us the game. He had a free go for two when we scored. Uh, we went up twenty three to nine. That's already a fourteen point lead at twenty three to nine. And instead of making it a sixteen point lead, requiring the Chargers to get two. Uh, um, two-point conversions, we, we kick a field goal to go up 15, so then the Chargers only have to score um, one two-point conversion. Um, and if we had been up 14, then they wouldn't have even gone for the two-point conversion. We would still be up seven. So it was literally a free opportunity to go for two there and with, with almost zero risk, and we still didn't do it because, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't know. And that's, like, troubling, isn't it? Because he's conservative like is that the reason why he didn't go for two or is it because he doesn't know and more and more he just seems yeah not be understanding and it's like a chance to go for it yeah i agree and i thought at the beginning of the year um uh, we had big leads against uh, jacksonville we had big lead against baltimore as well uh and he kind of just packed it in and i thought it was more okay we we have a big lead so i can see why uh, maybe he's a little more conservative, uh, and we let the other teams back into the game, but it didn't worry me because I just thought, uh, oh, okay, he's just, you know, protecting the lead. Uh, but but now I see it's just when he gets up by more than one score, 
It's just so conservative, and he doesn't put the game away. And that is uh, so unbelievably frustrating to watch, uh, you know, him not being able to, to put the, the, play, the game away. And we talked about this last week, and, and um, I mean, just let Pat be Pat. He turns into this uber-conservative play caller and refuses, runs these stupid freaking screenplays that have not been working the last couple of weeks. And um, just gets so conservative on the play calling. And, uh, you know, it, it basically lost us the game last week. It almost lost us the game this week. Um, and those are just coaching decisions. So outside of Andy Reid, um, you know, pretty uneventful night on the offense. Um, Eric Fisher coming back played okay. He was a little rusty. Um, Travis played really good. And I thought all three running backs had good games. Um, but other than that, pretty uneventful. Yeah, Sammy Watkins just uh, Sammy Watkins just went away. Uh, he had a couple yeah. nice catches, but again, you look for him to be a big factor when Tyreek goes out, uh, and he's just not. Thank God we have a bye week to continue to get healthy uh, and hopefully get this thing fixed uh, on the offensive side. And it's crazy though that we are talking about we need to fix the offense after scoring twenty four points, but. Uh, the expectations are very high for this offense. Yeah, yeah, and Pat had 182 yards passing. Like we, that's that's not a normal offense. Like, yeah, I guess we scored 24 points, but that used to be that was below our average. You know, like mm-hmm. there was that streak where Pat we never scored less than 26 points. Um, and so like 24 is not a good night for us. And uh, you know, we, we we can't have a double standard because. Just because we won this, just like last week, how we did, went to that epic spin zone last week. Yeah, it was a good and spin we zone. Said, like, you know, this doesn't mean we're a bad team because we lost that game. Well, at, at the same time, this doesn't mean we're a good team because we found a way to win this game. Um, there's nothing that I saw tonight that makes me think like, oh, okay, now I think we're a good team because we found a way to win this game. Like, that's why that double standard doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, like the way the defense played though. Um, and if we can put a full game together, we're going to be really, really good. Because uh, a, a defense, and we finally got after uh, Phyllis and forced him to make mistakes, turn the ball over. If our defense can play like that, we're and our offense can figure things out, we're going to be a really, really good team. So let's hope that we can use this bye week uh, to get all of that uh, turned around and figured out. So, um, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on the call here, Dan. Uh, so we could get this all uh, recorded. Yeah, we're doing another Skype uh, episode, but uh, but yeah, I, I think the last time the audio sounded pretty good, so there's a little bit of a delay, but pretty pretty nice. Yeah, we'll be all right. And so this is the only Skype segment. Uh, this is post Chiefs game, uh, but Danny and I got together before the Chiefs game uh, and taped the rest of the episode. Uh, we have a great episode on deck uh, with. Uh, the owner of Lifted Spirits. So that's it for Chiefs Talk. Uh, let's resume our regular programming. All right, and so that is our Chiefs update. We're recording this after the fact, so hopefully it was a joyous Chiefs update. Um, oh, yeah, in the future. You know, in the future. Yes. Because even though you heard that first, we recorded it after the game, and we're recording this right now. Before the game. Before the game. So, okay, so yeah, um, I'm either going to be like 
Like, you'll have just heard Danny be so happy or so miserable. I don't know which one. Yeah, yeah. Let's I'll, hope it's the happy they, Danny. They'll, they'll, they'll be an extreme reaction either way. So I'll right now either be like pr- probably just like either, you know, cuddled up on the couch, just hiding from the world because I hate <laughs> life or uh, in a really good mood. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into uh, one of our favorite segments. What's good in the neighborhood? Um, this week, what's good in the neighborhood comes from to us. Uh, from the Waldo neighborhood, just a half a mile down the street from where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys know Casey Beer Co. Uh, right at 79th and Warnell on the corner. They make really good beer. What's your favorite beer from Casey Beer Co.? Um, man, uh, on Friday, we went to happy hour there. and um, How many hours of happiness? Uh, probably two and a half oh, hours of happiness. Manageable. And uh, Linder introduced me to the um, hop. Stick maybe hop oh. stint. Okay, I don't know this beer. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, it's like one of their specialty beers, so it's like yeah, on the right side of the menu, mm-hmm. and it's served in the smaller glass as opposed to their everyday beers, which are in the big like big yeah mugs. Um, but I think it was called hop stick. Okay, hop stick is that yeah. a thing? Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. Hop hop yeah, something like that. It was really good. Uh, I'm I'm not above getting the uh, going with the Rattler if I'm at. Casey Beerco on a hot mm-hmm. day. Uh, if I'm buying it, I'm probably going Dunkel. Yeah, Dunkel's. Uh, very good. Uh, I'm trying to Google this hop stick and Casey Beerco, and it's just uh, Google's not even. Let me try. Uh, acting like it exists, but anyway, so Casey Beerco is in the news because they got their uh, uh, van stolen from <laughs> the parking lot. So this is their uh, like. It looks like a, it's just your typical big white utility van. And it has a huge Casey Beer Company logo on it. Well, it was stolen uh, about six days ago last week uh, from the parking lot. And it is now being used in a spree of crimes of opportunity across uh, the metro. So I can't uh, decide. Are these like the world's smartest criminals? Hide in plain sight. Yeah. Uh Or the world's dumbest. I don't know. (laughs) They're definitely hiding in plain sight. And so basically what they're doing is they they stole this van and now they're using it to help break into other vehicles. Uh, I think a couple of robberies maybe, but it's just it's this whole uh, crime spree across Kansas City in a 2000 Ford EcoLine <laughs> 350, the E350. Yeah. Uh, so if you see license plate FL1, what uh, S5Z, contact police. Yeah. But... If, if you, you see, see the, the van, if you see the van with the Casey Beerco, then it's probably the stolen yeah. one. Maybe <laughs> I feel like this would be a, a good opportunity for Casey Beerco to come out with like a beer uh-huh. and name it something like clever or something having to do with crimes, but like Germans and crimes. Slippery. Slow. There's not. There's <laughs> a few famous German. Uh, War crimes against humanity. <laughs> um, if you tried to get, oh, punny, name the beer after them. <laughs> if you tried to get like punny with German and criminals and crime, you could find yourself in a, in yeah, a sticky situation. Yeah, that, that, yeah, very fast, very fast. <laughs> so, uh, still on the loose on the lamb, this van. So, if you see it, turn it in. Turn it in. Did you find anything about what beer you tried? Yeah, it's called the Hopstick. Hopstick nailed it. Yeah, all right. It's really good. It's uh, a limited release. Okay, so that is uh, what's good in the neighborhood of Waldo this week. Uh, Next, let's uh, talk about uh, what we try this week. 
Dan, you were down in Columbus Park this week? Yeah, so um, Megan, my wife, was out of town. So I, um, she's not the biggest fan of ramen. So I wanted to try a new ramen place that I'd never been to. It's not new, but I'd never been there. So I went on a date by myself to Columbus Park Ramen Shop. It's important to date yourself sometimes. It, it, very important. Good, good quality time. And this place is... And Columbus Park, where's that? Columbus Park is like 5th and... It's down by uh, Garozo's. Mm -hmm. So it's like northeast. Like um, east of the River Market, basically. Yeah. Um, So you go to the River Market and then keep going east. And um, this place is tiny. Like, it's probably like 600 square feet, maybe, the whole restaurant. And uh, there's probably 15 seats in it. And... (laughs) Like as if like going on a date by myself isn't funny enough or kind of whatever. Uh, I was the only person in the restaurant because it was kind of late for ramen in that area, I guess. And then they put me at this bar and it's just like a counter right up against the wall. So oh, like, you're staring at the wall, staring at the wall. So it's just me like alone, you know, normally staring when I go wall, like, like if a I've ever, serial killer. Yeah. If I remember like traveling and you go into a restaurant for, traveling for work and you go eat by yourself, go like, sit you always at sit bar. at the bar so mm-hmm. you can talk to the bartender, mm-hmm. but they just sat me in front of the wall. So I was just staring at the wall the whole time. Um, wow. Of course, I you know was talking to it. Um, so obviously a plus for the ambiance. Ambiance was great. Um, <laughs> How's the I food? Got, um these uh these hot chicken wings um uh as an appetizer that were really good like they had like allspice on them or something they were they were good and then the ramen was spectacular i still think boru ramen is better boru here in waldo mm-hmm. it's still my favorite ramen shop in the uh in kc but um that should be a mixed plate no it's not enough but Enough ramen shops? Yeah. I've never eaten ramen that didn't come from a package. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I love ramen. Yeah. But um, yeah, ramen was good. It was good. Overall, good. Good times. Um, all right. Uh, what I tried this week, I did a little meat bingo. Oh, meat Kelly's. bingo. Yeah. Uh, I've been advertising for it. Yeah. And, and breaking news, I went with my girlfriend, too. I haven't mentioned this on the show yet, but went with the girlfriend to wow. meet bingo. I know. I know. <laughs> that's the news ticker so uh shout out to mitch kelly uh he bartends on wednesday nights gave me gave us a couple free beers on the house sorry i hope his boss doesn't hear this yeah oh, but. <laughs> so colleen don't get mad at him but uh so meet bingo show up at seven don't have like you know trivia a lot of trivia you got to get there like two hours early to get mm-hmm. a table that's probably the worst part about doing trivia meet bingo show up right at seven you're gonna have a seat um uh, and it takes uh zero skill pretty yeah. much uh to play so bingo. What's great about just bingo. listen. Mm-hmm. You might struggle with that because <laughs> I think uh sensory overload, like there's games on and stuff. I think you'd miss a lot of numbers. Yeah, I think that's completely reasonable to mm-hmm. to to struggle at bingo. Yep, I think you would. But uh, so great prizes. We we've talked about that before uh, when uh they used to you know, advertise with the show. Mm. Uh, now I guess they just buy you off with free beers, mm-hmm. which is good with me. Yeah. Really? I'm fine with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but really fun. You play four different games of bingo, uh, different. You can win different ways. You win different meat prizes. A lot of fun. Did you and win then, anything? No, I still haven't won. I've been twice. haven't won oh, anything. Damn. And then they also get you, if you buy a Red Bull drink, which includes Vegas bombs, 
So yeah, here here we are doing Vegas bombs on a uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, but you get your name entered in a drawing. Look at to us. Win. Look at us. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Not, Not me. me. <laughs> you get your name entered into a drawing to win a Kelly's like merchandise, a T-shirt, a hat, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I felt like my odds were better at winning that because I was just drinking a lot of Vegas bombs on a Wednesday, but didn't win that either. Damn so, it! I'll You're be just back. A loser. I'll yeah. be back. Yeah, because on the twentieth, so coming out in two days. They're going to have a bonus round. I, I'm just giving them free advertising here. But I was so excited because uh, you can win a, a whole turkey. I don't want a turkey. You wouldn't want a whole turkey? Well, if Broad from no. Broadway Butcher, just a whole turkey. I don't want it. You could gift it to someone. You'd look really good. Yeah. I guess I could give okay, it to fine. my aunt. You're, yeah. <laughs> be the hero of Thanksgiving. Yeah. You'd be the provider of the meal. Just come home with a big turkey over my shoulder. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so that is what we tried this week. Uh, that's it for the front half of the show. We have, uh, what? what's up? Openings and closings. Oh, we do have openings and closings. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But we just have closings this week. Yeah. True. Just have closings. You want to go? Uh, yeah. So a couple major restaurant restaurant tours yeah it's a hard word to say it's kind of like entrepreneur but like restaurant tour oh i thought it was like restaurantineer restaurantineer <laughs> really? yeah this is breaking news again i'm just finding out it's not restaurantineer this is like when i found out that you, you got to slice. control the size of your deli meat <laughs> in the last episode um but uh, yeah so um bread and butter concepts the restaurant group behind uh graham and dunn and stock hill and uh urban table and they used to be in charge of BRGR and Taco Republic, um, has filed for bankruptcy. Um, so they, you know, Graham and Dunn and, and Urban Table and uh, have been around for a long time. And, and I think they put a crap ton of money into mm-hmm. Stock Hill, the steakhouse. And just not sure if Kansas City was ready for that type of, of, of an environment. But um, they filed for bankruptcy, but everything's staying open. They're not. None of the restaurants are closing. I think okay. it's just like a corporate restructuring. Mm, okay. Like like in my head, I'm like, I think they basically you just have to change from like an S-Corp to an LLC and then all your debts are forgiven or something like that. Wow. We should start an S-Corp then. No, no. We should start an LLC. Okay. And then go bankrupt and then just say, uh-huh. ah, I think it, dang I think, it. I think that's exactly how it works. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Also, um... Closing this week is uh, the restaurant chain Hands, based out of Leewood. Uh, so they are also um, uh, filing for bankruptcy protection. I don't know that. See, I think that that's is. what, yeah. Yeah, but There's they're expected something. to sell to their rival at auction, Landry's. <gasps> Landry's. Yeah, so uh, guess how many restaurants Hula chains Hands. that Hand has? Uh, 16. 69. What? Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but cause they also own Jay Gilbert's, uh, oh, a couple nice. other chains as well. So, but yeah, they're going to be selling, uh, bankruptcy. It's tough to have a restaurant. It, restaurants are hard, business. man. Restaurants are very hard. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. So that's, what's closing this week. Uh, we didn't do enough research to find something opening, but, uh, the big train was in town. Yes. The, the big train, big, the big boy, the big boy that opened up, that opened that's up. That's our opening. <laughs> yeah. The so big boy, the big boy. It was like a night or like, a, mm, 
I can make something up or look at my phone. I'll make something up. I think so. The engine was made in 1914. Yeah, by General Custard. <laughs> <laughs> it's either 1914 or 1941. Okay. Well, that's not that big of a difference. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll call it good. Um, but it's like one of these old school like something you would see locomotives from early 20th century locomotive that is steam powered mm-hmm. and just. I guess it's the Union Pacific's last um, engine of this kind, mm. and it's basically doing a whole trip across the country, um, and uh, to, to for spectators to see it. And it was in Union Station last night, which is in my backyard. So what's good in the neighborhood? There was a loud train outside my house. So we're talking. I mean, oh, very real loud. loud, huge. Wow, um, like you know, steam coming everywhere, and and the horn was like uh, legit. Wow, I'm I'm picturing the uh, locomotive from Back to the Future Three, uh huh, kind of looking thing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Okay, crushed it. Uh, so that what uh, open big boy came through. Uh, so now that is it for the front half of the episode. Uh, this week we talk with Michael Stuckey. Uh, he's the owner of Lifted Spirits. Really fun conversation that we had like three weeks ago. Uh, so I I remember it being awesome and fun, but. I don't really remember everything we talked about. Yeah, we, we get we get into the weeds booze. about uh, yeah. the distilling process and all the science behind it. It's a really smart guy. Really fun to talk. Yeah, to. he's a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, and he would he would self admit this big whiskey nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets into the he likes like the chemistry he was reading aspect of old it. French texts. Yeah, to discover to new distilling processes. Yeah, yeah, that's and I think that's what makes at the public library. I think that's what makes. Uh, him so good at his craft. And I think that's what makes the spirits that come out of Lifted yeah. Spirits so darn good. Good point. All right, we are joined by Michael Stuckey. He is the founder and head distiller of Lifted Spirits. Uh, so, Michael, I guess my first question is, we're up here uh, above every, the whole operation downstairs, but, but what are you guys cooking up downstairs? What kind of different spirits do you guys offer here? Oh my! So in general, the offering, or mm-hmm. yeah, the shiny we'll start things. general and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll we'll narrow, narrow it down. It down. Uh, so all of our offerings, just to get the the basic in there, is we make absolutely everything from scratch here uh, with our hands and with distillation equipment. You can't say it's all like, mm-hmm. literally yeah. made by hand; that'd be hard to do. But uh, so with that in mind, uh, we make a vodka. We have uh, two gins, the bright gin and the bold gin. Uh, we have a 100% wheat whiskey. Uh, we have a true traditional absinthe, a for real absinthe. Uh, and we, uh, we also have uh, two uh, infused spirits, the uh, jalapeno and herb and the jasmine mm. rooibos, which are limited time offerings, and they're almost gone. Oh, better get down here. Uh, yes. <laughs> and get uh, they've been those. really popular. It's mm-hmm. been really cool seeing how people respond to that. Yeah, and I feel like one of the cool things is, like you said, uh, all of this, all of the wheat that you're getting is coming locally from one farmer, right? Yeah, and from where, where are you getting that custom grain? And how did you uh, decide to to pick that farmer and that wheat? Well, the farmer was a friend of a friend, or is a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. and well, now he's uh, your friend. Though, yes, probably. <laughs> very <laughs> much so. Uh, yeah. Gary and Corey. So it's really two farmers, uh, but Gary and Corey are phenomenal to work with. 
really early on, uh, we were introduced. They were wanting to do a well, a custom grain business for you know breweries and alcohol producers, and we were looking for a really great source so that we could really start with the seed in the soil and turning all those knobs and dials. As if you can really hone it in and make it just right from the beginning, you can make really great things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we met, it was a uh, well, duh, and. Uh, Corey really gets uh, where we are and what grows well here. And so he picked out some cultivars of wheat and we uh, we tested a few of them and then narrowed it down to what we use today. Mm-hmm. And so it's just right for what we do. So before it all got started, before you picked the farmer, um, obviously there's an origin story here. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, what we've we've talked to a few beer makers, we've talked to a few coffee makers and just makers in Kansas City. Um, it feels like you have to... You have to have a reason. You have to have a story behind it as well. So kind of mm-hmm. what was what was it that inspired you to start a distillery? Well, uh, what really inspired me was the way that spirits interact with creating really meaningful story. Okay. Um, Are you saying like uh, uh, so get, getting a little tipsy makes no, you a better storyteller? <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying Sorry. that spirits are inherently communal. Um because when I had, uh, I grew up in Kansas City, this is where I'm from, and I had moved away for a little bit, which was uh, an excellent decision because that's where I met my wife, who's phenomenal, and uh, also got to have some great experiences in like Arkansas and San Francisco, but it was time to come back to Kansas City. I missed this place a lot. And when I came back, our group of friends, we were always having game nights. Uh, we'd play a lot of real nerdy things. I mean, <laughs> I gotta <Yeah>. own it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like Catan and the small world and cards against humanity, but we would always bring different craft spirits, try different things, try different cocktails. And that's where I fell in love with this idea about spirits being about like community and not, and community not having to be a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be more than what we ever dreamt it could be. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make that and bring it to my friends. So I, I went to the library. And I already did the snort with the glasses. Yeah, thing, yeah. <laughs> you got that out of the way. <laughs> I went to the library and did a lot of research. I mean, just and... wait till we get you talking about yeast. Then, oh, then we'll really know. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to torture your listeners that much. I think if they want to do or, that, please or, come see us. Yeah, or doing tours. Yeah. or uh, alcohol compounds. We'll yeah, get him on that. let's not let's not get into organic acids and flavor profiles. So. Um, so I went to the library, did a lot of research, uh, ended up with a lot of really great resources on how distillation works. Uh, in particular, I had uh, come across a few uh, French distillation manuals that had fortunately been translated into English uh, from the late 1800s. And I took these resources uh, and allegedly then went into my basement and taught myself how to distill. And uh, why, did, why did you say that? Allegedly? Yeah. Uh, because I would never do that at home. Okay. I mean, it's it's oh, not it's not allowed. It. I follow. I yeah. Follow. Okay. Yeah. You would never Alleg- do that. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. Allegedly. The, yeah. the, it's not funny anymore. Thank you. Okay. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> and uh, real early on, I started bringing my experiments to my group of friends. I remember the first one was in a little mason jar, and I brought that to game night, and they're going, "Well, allegedly in a mason jar," uh-huh. and they're like, "What is that? Let me show you what that was." And everyone really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. not because it was the best spirit ever. Uh, that came later, obviously. Uh, but the best spirit ever. It was that we got to really enjoy something that we had I'd crafted for them, 
and it deepened our experience in the silly moments in the deep moments it mm-hmm. was about really embracing well the moments mm-hmm. and uh, from there started learning more and more about like the history the culture of distillation particularly having these resources from before prohibition and I got really cranky about prohibition is uh, we tend to romanticize it and it's a really cool era and it really took some things from us though uh, mm-hmm. the, dis- the, dis- the 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 still used to be open it used to be accessible it was a part of who we are it's where farmers would gather to take you know turn their crop into something they could actually get to market or it's where they would make these things they enjoyed in these milestone moments of their lives in these small moments of their lives and i wanted to bring that back cuz i uh didn't really dig the whole going to a distillery, being on a tour, and then finding out as a home distiller, allegedly home distiller, uh-huh. and not wanting to talk to me anymore. I, I wanted this stuff to be out there because there aren't really secrets anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in the books. I'm like, these things are in these books. I just want to talk about it. And um, I decided to call shenanigans on the whole thing. And uh, we wanted to make a place where we made the things ourselves, where you knew where it came from, but mostly that you could come here and be part of something we wanted you to come in and be a part of Mm -hmm. like we very intently don't have just windows uh looking into the production floor from our bar it's uh big glass doors we open them and people come in uh we do free tours on like thursday through sunday at five every week that's awesome we want people to get to come and live life around the still again so when you talk about like calling shenanigans on the whole thing are you referring to like the secret recipes of 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 gin and the secret <laughs> recipes of like bourbon <laughs> distilleries like you try to go um, to those kentucky bourbon guys and you know they're they're uh, they protect their mash bill and they don't really tell you exactly what's mm-hmm. going in is, is that kind of what you're talking about a little bit okay. um i understand having you know like proprietary things mm-hmm. from one point of view uh, from our point of view, it's it's just different because mm-hmm. like our botanical bills for our gin, we share them. The yeah. botanicals are all out for tours. Um, we're working on programs right now where people can actually come in and play with the individual distillates of those things and build their own gin. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's art, if it's interpretive, it's expressive, it's still science. I mean, it's still... How do the things work? How do you tinker with the things and make it just right? It's observation, it's reality, and it's also myth. And holding those things together is you tell the story. Someone's not going to be able to take my botanical bill and make exactly the same gin um, because they're not who we are. Mm -hmm. They can do it their own way. And we think people should be able to do that. Yeah, Uh, and you... Go go ahead. ahead. Okay. Uh, I was just curious when you talked about having to get in there uh, and actually start reading the books and then allegedly start trying things at home. Uh, how long does that whole process take? Like, cause I'm thinking, how do you learn? Like, how long does it take you to learn all that? And how much trial and error is involved in that? There is a little bit of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did successfully make a spirit. I mean, my first go at it, uh, but it needed some refinement. Yeah. Is yeah. it, is it like the, you know, the saying just like you learn more by failure in this? Uh, when you were making spirits or I think you just learn more by doing mm-hmm. it, whether it's a success or failure. Uh, I think really just matters on what do you see and what you did and what can you learn from what you did? Cause I think you can learn from success just as much as failure. Uh, as long as you're still observing it and going with what really happened, not just a, Oh, I made it and it was perfect. It's well, that was a success. And now how can we make it better? Yeah. And you're talking about trial and error. I imagine, a spirit like gin 
um, it has to be a ton of trial and error because, mm-hmm. and I, and this, again, you publish this, this is out on your website, but, um, your gins have, depending on which one you're talking about, one has 11 different botanicals, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other has 15 or 17 or something like that. 17. So there's, those are 17 different ingredients going into this that I'm sure you're experimenting with. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about like your gin and what makes your mm. gin different uh, and the trial and error that went into creating your two very distinct yeah. types of gin. Um, so the process for both of them was similar, though working on the bold gin, I had the uh, the experience of the bright gin and all the other things we had tinkered with before mm-hmm. to stand on. Yeah. Um, so you have two types of gin, bright and bold. As of today, yes. Okay. And um, for the bright gin, uh, this was real early on when we were, you know, still building Lifted Spirits before we had opened. I was uh, taking like traditional recipes of, uh, of for gin, and you know, tinkering with them, uh, trying to make them my own, and it made really good stuff. But it wasn't really what I was aiming for yet. And I realized pretty quickly that I knew how to follow a recipe. I knew how to distill. But I didn't know why the recipe was the recipe. Okay. So I uh, actually took a whole bunch of botanicals I could imagine using in gin. The list is a lot longer today than it was then. Um, and I distilled them individually using different techniques. Like earlier we had talked about, you know, the maceration or the steeping uh-huh. and vapor extraction and so I did all of those things with each botanical by itself just to see what it was doing. Uh, I discovered real quickly that some of those botanicals by themselves are not really that great uh, in the spirit. And then asking, like, well, why are they there? Um, finding out things like uh, orris root, for example, were used in uh, you know, French perfumes for a really long time because it you know, creates some stability. It uh, lets the other things shine and be strong on the nose and uh, doesn't contribute as much of its own thing. It does still contribute flavor. But Mm -hmm. that's just a specific example of, oh, now I see because I got to actually go in and experience it and look at it. And uh, after doing all of those things, uh, I went back to just the botanicals and put them together in a new way uh, based on my experiences and was able to fairly quickly come up with bright gin. Okay, so I know what you're talking about when you say botanicals, mm-hmm. but maybe some <laughs> other people don't. So oh, well, I hear, <laughs> I hear uh, botanicals, and I, I assume like juniper berries. Is there that is a good example? Is there, but there's different types of berries mm-hmm. or or uh, that so are in I'm, there. I don't know if I'm going right into like the botany definition of mm-hmm. botanicals. Um, we, we can ask Bo Nelson is, from yeah. uh, well, Valmaeus because he yeah, knows that guy is. <laughs> Bo knows his stuff. He knows his plants. Holy shit. We got into the birds and beads and, and plants having sex and all of that like <laughs> real, real soon. Oh, I love Bo. He is so great. Um, <laughs> um, so botan- by botanicals, I mean, uh, you know, plant ingredients. Uh, they can be. You know, leaves, berries, okay. uh, some fruit, roots. Uh, sometimes they're dried, sometimes they're fresh. Uh, for example, in the bright gin, we use uh, fresh orange zest. Yeah, because uh, I'm drinking your, your gin and tonic here, and it's served mm-hmm. with an orange peel, which is yes. unique. Is that, uh, is that why it's actually, it is? Uh, it is. Okay. Um, so here uh, at our bar and our events, all of those, we uh, very particularly pa- uh, pair the ingredients in the cocktails uh, with the spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The gin and tonic, for example, is the bright gin. Uh, it's Boylan's uh, tonic. We actually went through a whole bunch of different tonics. That was a really hard day. Uh, so you know. <laughs> You're a hard and, day compared to other yeah. people's hard <laughs> day. There's a scale there. Well, 
and uh and then it's garnished with the orange peel uh because it just brings all the other botanicals out it's just it's just right mm-hmm. we uh, we're a big fan of just right yeah and um, so um so with your gin you had the bright gin first is that correct and then and mm-hmm. then you decided i want to i want to kind of become mm-hmm you know, the gin distillery and, and do these things right. And maybe I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but you're making two gins now that are both really good. Um, so oh, what shucks. was, what was the bold gin? Why did you decide you needed a second? Uh, because the, the bright gin is, I mean, it's like saying, it's like gin is saying, I'm sorry, I brought pine cone to that party. Uh, I really <laughs> want to be friends. Mm-hmm. It's meant to, you know, heal that broken relationship people sometimes have with gin yeah. and, the, that's the uh, first time i had gin the problem was that it was i think it was seagram's and it was straight out of a bottle mm-hmm. and i was like mm. why would anybody yeah. ever drink this christmas tree it's gross I, yeah, uh, the first I alcohol i ever had was gin and i snuck it from my parents cabinet because they're gins drinkers and i just like took a swig and uh, it was awful yeah <laughs> oh. i uh, i may have had a uh, rocky relationship with gin in the past mm-hmm. and and tinkering uh with distillation and learning those things i had some traditional recipes and i started like well we'll Mm -hmm. do an exercise Mm -hmm. and then it was really good and i'm like did i do it wrong and i found out gin can be beautiful Mm -hmm. um and so and then i started exploring other gins that are out on the market and there are a lot of gins that are absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. and um that was also part of the i want to tinker with this some more uh, just like with whiskey, there's some whiskeys out there that are amazing. And so I wanted to start playing with whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really fun to take even those things that people don't really know about or are you know marginalized or even have things about them that aren't true. Like the whole absinthe thing mm-hmm. with absinthe's going to you know make you hallucinate. No, it re- really. Yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't? And, <laughs> Oh, it, That's, it, I have uh, that written down. I've, I, I have to I've never had it. I it have is, a question. Uh, that that old hallucinating wanna... absinthe thing. Uh, where did that tale ever get started? Uh, well, that's a really long story. Okay. Uh, suffice to say that there were, it's a combination of multiple things uh, that really didn't have much to do with true traditional absinthe. Uh, a lot of it had to do with culture, with uh, fake absinthe being made. During Prohibition? Were, uh, before Prohibition. Okay. Um, and I mean, even to the, you know, abs- absinthe has a really high ABV in the bottle. And if you're just drinking it straight for a long time, that's a lot of alcohol, it's maybe kinda, not a wise yeah. decision. Yeah. Um, but absinthe by itself, if it's done well, prepared correctly, because absinthe out of the bottle should be prepared with uh, ice cold water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want it to be sweeter, you can dribble it over a sugar cube. Uh, but the whole flaming sugar cube thing, or yeah, just drinking shots of absinthe. And, I mean, yeah. even just a shot of absinthe, you're not really tasting the whole thing because in diluting it, you actually let the flavor that's in the spirit bloom because it's all held in suspension. That's why it gets all cloudy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you prepare with ice cold water, it's three to five parts water to one part absinthe, dribble it in real slow. Um, that tr- traditional preparation of absinthe is phenomenal yeah and you guys and are the only complex one. and yeah yeah you, and you're, you're the only distillery i think in missouri that makes their own absinthe um right honestly that's I what know. i saw on the internet <laughs> and uh so, so it's true sure. so yeah, it's, it's true well yeah if it's yeah. in the internet yeah so mm-hmm. but what where did that is that just you just again wanting to experiment with different things and and try um, different things and you're like hey no one's making an absinthe well, uh, let's the, try uh, it out 
so those French manuals I was le- learning from had whole sections on absinthe. Because that's a traditionally, a, is that a French? It was, uh, yeah. it hit its zenith uh, in popularity in Parisian France during the Bohemian Revolution in the late 1800s. Yeah, totally. totally. Um, I mean, five o'clock was the, the green hour. Everyone went to the cafes and drank absinthe together. Uh-huh. And that's one of the things about absinthe that I loved is it wasn't about this illicit thing as we look back the stories we have today. Mm-hmm. It was really about building, you know, your people's lives together. It's how they lived in community. Yeah, way way different than trying to hallucinate. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying those things are mutually exclusive, but in mm. absence, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I fell in love with it reading these reading through these books, and um, I kept trying to like I was looking for absence to try, which was really difficult to find true absence on the market in general. Uh, but then when I finally was able to start tasting it and taking it apart, it was just so beautiful and complex, and they can be so cohesive. Uh, and a lot of people get scared about the whole black licorice thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate black licorice. Yeah. Um, and I love absinthe. And the flavor's there, but it yeah. needs to have friends. It I'm needs the exact to same way. Be, yeah. It needs to be an experience. And um, so I started tinkering with it. And making absinthe is really difficult. There's uh, parts that you need to be very precise on in its production where if you don't get it right, it turns yellow and bitter right away instead of green and sweet and uh, all sorts of things. And I messed up a lot of absinthe. <laughs> and then being able to really refine it, learn and get better at things and being able to make a true traditional absinthe that's our own recipe. That's, I mean, it's really good. I love it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's an opportunity I couldn't pass. And seeing people's reaction to the absinthe has really reinforced that that's something that we'll be keep we'll keep doing. Yeah. So you're not going to hallucinate on absinthe. We dispelled that myth. Correct. But I feel like... You do always hear about um, you. Some people be like, "Oh, when I drink whiskey, I get this type of drunk," or "I drink gin, I get uh, this type of drunk." Is it drunk? Uh, you know the science behind the booze. Is is there any thing to that? Is there any science to back that up? When people are like, "Oh, don't let me get oh whiskey goodness. drunk," because let me get tequila. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or don't let me get tequila. That has not been the focus of my study. So okay, I can neither confirm. I've or been deny I've the been investigating of, it lately. Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, emotional direction based yes. on spirit type. I have been investigating it. I've I've investigated a couple different times too. At one point, I thought I was immune to gin and tonics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I oh. I have since disproved that. Uh, and then I I am questioning possibly being immune to vodka sodas right now. I don't know. Oh. I was at a wedding and I just had a lot of them, and I was like, I, I should be way drunker than this, but I don't know. Maybe placebo effect. Um. But Maybe still track. Uh, I think I should be consumption yeah. and estimated blood alcohol content. Yeah, I think I'm a, yeah. a, a See, scientific he, wonder. He wants I to think. get scientific. About yeah, it. he wants mm-hmm. to start tracking data, collecting yes. data. Yeah, it was. It, I think or it was just actually little, you get little mini breathalyzers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just yeah. I think it was actually go. your gin too. Was when I thought I was immune to gin and tonics. <laughs> well, I brought it, it to really a Christmas smooth. party. Uh, yeah, I brought it to a Christmas party. Um, it's so smooth. I drank. A lot of the bottle, I won't admit how much. And then I was like, I'm okay. I can Maybe I wasn't, absolutely but. <laughs> confirm that it is indeed 40% okay. alcohol by volume uh, with strict adherence to federal regulations and mm-hmm. measuring it correctly. So if you had a lot of them, that alcohol was in your system. Yeah, I think it's just so smooth <laughs> is the thing with your gin, too. Please drink responsibly. Yes. There wink, wink. Exactly. So, I mean, come on. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gotten a, like romantic about the spirits. We've, we've talked a lot about uh, you know what you're producing. 
But let's talk about your location here. Um, what kind of made you choose the oh, crossroads? Um, yeah. I, I figured you could, if you can get romantic about, you know, your, your spirits, there's no reason you can't get romantic about the crossroads mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Well, um, I, my first, uh, like direction towards this area, uh, was kind of twofold. Uh, one, I had experienced Thou Mayest and mm-hmm. what Bo has been doing and the way he's creating community around those spaces. And I was like, that's right where, that's right in line with what we want to do. And seeing how this area, particularly the East Crossroads, is building that sort of transparent, authentic community, uh, it just fits. And also, uh, the other part is I uh, lived in the crossroads uh, briefly as a child. We had a, uh, a stereo shop at 16th and Cherry, so just two blocks north of here. And at that point, the neighborhood was a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily going to, I don't want to quote years. <laughs> but Don't age uh, yourself. <laughs> it was, uh, actually, I don't mind. I love growing older, <laughs> to be honest. Like, my 30th birthday was one of my very best birthdays ever. It's like, yay, I'm not in my 20s. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm about but, to turn 29, and <laughs> I wish I had that same attitude you have. <laughs> you can get there. It's okay. Um, and then, But th- at that point, the neighborhood wasn't uh, where it is now. It was uh, looked at and seen to be real sketchy, and there wasn't a lot going on uh, around like it is today as far as that open experience goes. And now being here and seeing you know, families going up up and down Art Alley, which is right behind the distillery, and enjoying the murals and just getting to be out and not be worried. Like seeing the change that Kansas City's been affecting uh, for a while now, I I love being a part of that and being mm-hmm. part of this renaissance. So that was to be able to be part of that here in a place that I knew and to be able to make it better. It's mm-hmm. yes, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of uh, along the same lines where where the name comes from? What, the Lifted Spirits? Yeah. Uh, well, Lifted Spirits has a lot of facets to it. Some of, uh, majority of it is the, well, really all of it is, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So it fits that that's our name. Uh, it also plays into uh, my background, is nobody here uh, had a background in manufacturing spirits or in chemistry or in engineering. Um, we've been learning and learning to ask for help. Uh, on those things. Like, I'm definitely not an engineer, and I love the engineers that I know now. Um, my background is in theology, uh, so I have a I have a theology degree, and uh, I was a pastor for a little while. And when I figured out that I could, you know, do the things that really excited me about being a pastor and, you know, making people's lives better uh, by, like, enriching people's lives by doing this, it was like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. I, I just raised my hand for those listening. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the um, live video stream going. So, yeah. Oh, where's that camera? Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it just fits with yeah. who we want to be, what we want to do. Because yeah. it's, yeah, we want to make people's lives uh, even richer. Yeah, just knowing how big of a nerd you are when it comes to this stuff, I'm surprised you didn't go with a name like, like compound A or something like that. Like, <laughs> well, like it the was exact, uh, uh, so it was compound that forms. <laughs> uh, but the the things that the two things that I think uh, a lot of people see as mutually exclusive, uh, but I think should be held together in tension, are uh, tradition and science, because a lot of times we look at science and think it only has to do with modern innovation, 
which I think is incorrect. It's about being able to observe the worlds around you and learn how things work so you can put them together well or differently. And a lot of times we look at tradition and we think, why am I at this Thanksgiving dinner and why is there cheese whiz on my plate? Um, maybe that's that one's kind of personal. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I say it like that. My my grandmother's green rice had cheese whiz in it, and it's only right if it has cheese whiz in it. Just saying. But we those, we know about tradition. Yeah, right. I, so those, I can respect the those traditional that, yeah. things. We're like, why do we do this over and over? The same time, if you look at them, people started doing those things for a reason, and it's not always just right but it's a great place to look at what's been really beautiful in the world and what have people found in the world that's that beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, because like absinthe uh, is a great example i think because that kind of cohesive flavor that palette that amazing complexity came out of you know swiss recipes that are extremely old and when we look at the late 1800s that's just when absinthe was really popular um that spirit is ancient as mm-hmm. far as, uh, you know, our point of view a lot of times. But being able to bring that forward, bring tradition up, and also have science where you can look at the things, understand the things, and put those things together, If you, that's where you can add ho- like heart and soul. Because those things by themselves are sterile. That's why, you know, we're at the Thanksgiving dinner going, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we're in science class going, why do I have to memorize all the things? But if you bring them together and put your life into them or be part of it, that's when real beauty comes out. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, we're big on tradition too. So yeah, the whole family. D- yeah, the whole family. So uh, mm-hmm. if anything changes on Thanksgiving, it's a riot. Like, why would you change that? Hey, we have to listen to that. Uh, yeah, what's that Thanksgiving oh. song? Alice's Restaurant. Uh, yeah. It just has to play. Oh my God. It on has to repeat. play on repeat in the background of our Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. like the whole time. Oh, I don't yeah. know if I love it as much anymore. <laughs> but it has. That's been going on for yeah, for so, so can, long. Yeah. Uh, but you talked about how you uh, chose this place in the crossroads and how you wanted it to be really inviting. And then you have this great event space up here. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys using this event space for? How many people can it hold? What 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 kind of things? Oh, events are you um, having up here? So for the uh, like official occupancy i'd have to go look at that sign over Mm -hmm. there um it depends on the type of event on how many people it can hold if it's you know standing or if it's seated that kind of thing but uh we do everything from you know board meetings to weddings to you know parties we've had concerts um for like the private rental thing Mm -hmm. Uh, also we do a lot of like brand oriented stuff uh because you know if we really believe that you know experiences and story is a part of you know enriching our lives and being who we, you know maybe it's the idea of if we really believe that um that experience is part of you know risking being our true selves and bringing all those good things out then we want to provide those experiences so we do everything from you know around the world in eight whiskeys is an event oh, cool. we've done a few times where you come in we try whiskeys from all around the world uh, of different styles. We talk about why they're different and how they're different. Uh, we do uh, a tour of the distillery as part of it. We'll sample barrels and really get in depth for the people that want to just nerd out yes. about whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do similar ones for gin. Uh, I think it's the gin exploration uh, where it's gins from all around the world. I'd and be good at that one. I'd it's be really it's good pretty at good. It. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then we also do, like we're working on uh, an event series for creating your own gin where we have, I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh-huh. It's the, yeah, we can play with the different essences and botanicals and start playing with the flavors and actually get in and you know, get your hands dirty with gin. 
-hmm. experiences and places don't always have to be, you know, well, I'm all debonair and I've got my black tie. It's let's get our hands dirty. Yeah. Um, and did you always envision like you, you obviously had the distillery part as part of your vision, but did you always envision there being a bar and like a, a bar restaurant and event space as, as a part of it? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. That's cool. Um, because that's, I mean, that's part of the experience. Mm -hmm. As if it, all it is is a tasting room and you just try the spirits, that's not as accessible to people that don't have the experience in it. So uh, then getting to add that extra layer with our bar team, which they are insanely talented. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, we actually just uh, are we're putting the final touches on uh, our fall winter menu, and it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and them getting to then focus the cocktail menu on our particular spirits, they can blend flavors like you wouldn't believe. Uh, there's actually a cocktail on the, uh, the the spring summer menu. It's called the Barista's Revenge that used uh, our vodka that was infused with coffee uh, at the bar and also the uh, the jalapeno and herb. Which mm. you think coffee and jalapeno, like, I don't know. Holding those two things in tension, those flavors like that, it's it blew my mind. Um, Emily, one of our uh, our bartenders, and she's our, she's our head bartender, not I think derp. <laughs> Let me cut that. Part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll cut that. So <laughs> Emily, our head bartender, uh, came up with it, and it's really well done. Mm, so, that's awesome. Yeah. And so do you do you do any? And this can be the last question, but do you do any um, collaborations with any other Kansas City companies around here? Yes, we do. Let's um, so we do. Uh, so we do collaborations in the space. Uh, uh -huh. So we do things like that. We've worked with a, a lot of nonprofits and uh, bringing them in and creating those experiences for them. Uh, Collaboration-wise in production, though, uh, we have uh, a couple things that aren't uh, released yet. Oh, we still got a few it. weeks. Um, we can break it right now. I mean, we're not releasing this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Uh. <laughs> um I will say that, well, I've been saying it on tours, so I can just, mm -hmm. but anyway, um, the yeah. Torn Label whiskey is the house uh, distilled as a whiskey, and a lot of those flavors, like the hop oil comes over very well, It's a so it's a wheat stout, uh, so even some of like the roast on the malt comes through uh, real well, and it's going to be at 42.5% uh, instead of, you know, all the way down to 40, because mm -hmm. it's just, it's amazing. It's there. good it's, right You there. can sip it. It's got a lot of complexity. It does well in some cocktails. Like it's just really good. Perfect. And then uh, the other one is also fantastic. But what else am I going to say? Yeah. It's like you know when you're on uh, like when you're on uh, Wheel of Fortune. And yeah. I go, who's here with you? And it's like my beautiful white wife Karen. <laughs> like what else is or my like ugly wife Jill? Diners, I mean, drive-ins, and dives. Guy Fieri is right like out of bounds. Everything he tries is the best thing he's ever had. <laughs> right. Um, but these two things in particular are. <sighs> Phenomenal because I keep saying phenomenal. It's like a Trump thing. I mean, like, I'm, like, what does he say all the time? Uh, phenomenal. I don't, I don't listen really when that happens. But um, so the other one is the uh, with Kansas City Wine Works, or I'm sorry, with yeah. KC Wine Works. And uh, we, real early on when we started, uh, took some uh, Tremonette that James had made and uh, distilled it into a brandy. And it's now at a just about two and a half years old. Uh, so it's true brandy and it's, uh, I'm trying to come up with the words on how I'd want to describe it. That would be appropriate for a podcast. Um, but it's, I, 
like I'm lip- licking my lips thinking about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when gorgeous. I think of the torn label and I think sexy. of the brandy, it's like that whiskey and that brandy. I'm just, yes, it's, they're both just sexy as yeah. hell. Like, I'm not going to restrain myself anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they're sexy as hell. Um, I can describe a spirit that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Especially brandy. Brandy, you can describe yeah. that way. Yeah, brandy. Uh, well, uh, and brandy. whiskey like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there may have been uh, uh, gifts exchanged between yes. uh, Wineworks and I <laughs> involving that song a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Just maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, uh, Michael, for joining us. It's my uh, pleasure. Are, yeah. All the questions we have, but uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, for all, everyone listening, come down here, get a tour, uh, and come taste some gin, whiskey, vodka. Yes, please. All the we're uh, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, Wednesday through Friday we open at four, and uh, Saturday and Sunday we open at two. Saturday and Sunday, or um, Sunday we're closed at eight. Uh, Saturday we're closed at eleven, and the rest of the week it's at eleven. I could probably say that a lot better. Boom. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. I know. All and right. then free tours every Thursday through Sunday at five. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much, guys. All right. So thanks again to Michael Stuckey for joining us. Again, ton of fun in that interview. And it was awesome that he gave us a, a tour with him and we learned so much just, or at least I did, you know more about the distilling process, but for me to learn really all the ins and outs was really cool. Yeah. And we got to, you know, sample the product right Again, after. that's what we do this for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was really fun. Again, thanks uh, to Michael. Uh, great holiday drink. The Lifted Spirits Gin. Drink some gin and tonics over the holidays and you'll think. Become immune to it. it. Develop an immunity. <laughs> Test that immunity, fail that test, and black out in front of your whole family. Yes. It's a risky business. Classic <laughs> Christmas Eve move. Very much so. So uh, let's jump in to our personal pine tars uh, this week. Uh, I'll let all you kick us off here. I What's locked. your personal pine tar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I locked my keys in my car. Oh, yep. That'll Friday afternoon. Like Friday afternoon, uh, we were on a text thread. We were talking about going to happy hour. You know, I'm in a pretty good mood. It's Friday Mm -hmm. afternoon, obviously. And I get out of a meeting um, at about like four o'clock out at a client site. So like this is at 110th and Medcalf, basically. And um, I realized I'm walking to my car and I realized my keys are in the ignition locked. Oh wow! There's and I'm with a, a colleague. Your of mine. car is not smart enough to figure that out. No, yeah, no. Okay. no. Most cars are smart enough not to do nope, that on their nope, own. Nope, not the 07 uh, yeah. Chevy Equinox. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's your second personal pine tar involving your Equinox. I, think. I hate that car so <laughs> much. Um, and so, uh, so I'm with my colleague. There's no dumber feeling than having your keys like three feet away from you, but then you can't get into your car. Mm -hmm. So that sucked. So um, luckily my wife, Megan was working from home and was able to come pick me up. And, and um, I just left the car out there. And then she had to go, she was leaving to go out of town. She was Mm -hmm. driving to Iowa right after that. And so, so I just had her car for the whole weekend. So my car just sat out at my client's parking lot all weekend. Um, But then I went yesterday to try to like, Coat hanger it uh-huh. open. That didn't work. I ended up like breaking part of the door. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, then went back. I don't some... think you can do anything to damage the resale value at this point. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That car is <laughs> worth like $600 on a trade in. Um, then I went and got some better tools from my uncle Jimmy to try to break, whose brother owns a body shop, try to break into the car. Those didn't work. So I had to bite the bullet this morning. 
So go out this morning at 8.30 in the morning uh, to call a locksmith to come. And you don't have a spare key. I, I don't know where it is. <laughs> I cannot find it. I emptied every drawer. Oh, I man. I have multiple spare. Wow. I have a spare key, and I don't know where it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 110 bucks later. That sucks. That on a Monday You morning. paid a sixth of the value of your car mm-hmm. just to get the door oh, and, open. And the guy was great. You know, I would recommend. It was called, like, Expert. Lock and Key Expert is the name of the company. They're mm-hmm. out of OP took the guy five minutes that's very not frustrating even, too. not even yeah. two minutes mm-hmm. which is you gotta have the right tools yeah i just had the right tools popped it open was gone uh and uh cost me 110 bucks that sucks big time big time um my personal pine tar again we do these because uh, as george brett you know the personal pine tar started because george brett you know when he had the pine tar just went crazy something something small that'll really piss you off mm-hmm. uh and uh, mine is that uh, I went to St. Louis this weekend, and I really liked it. What? It? I yeah. Tell me how I, I'm wrestling with these feelings. I've been wrestling with them. I really liked St. That's Louis. That's because was that the first time you've ever been? <laughs> um, yeah, that I've actually really spent time there as an adult. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't count being 22 as an adult when I was there for a college formal. Okay. Like I don't really count that because okay. I don't even remember where I stayed or anything like that. But uh, also, uh, the Blues game was uh, really, really fun, too. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Like, I've heard great things about live hockey and been to a Mavericks game, but never a pro game. Yeah, uh, it, pro, was, pro. it was um, really cool. The Blues game was, um, except, again, um, the one thing that did stink, like, me heckling a player because we were like five rows up from yeah, the, I saw those yeah. bougie seats. So we were like five rows up. So I could yell at the players. They could hear me. And me heckling a player was like a new concept. I don't know if it was because we were sitting in such nice seats, but like I just yelled, kick his ass. And everyone looked at me like, yeah, kick his ass. Like they had never heard anyone heckle another player before. Mm. Very bizarre. Hmm. And then I just started picking out names on the back of jerseys and just yelling, Grant's a bum. Uh-huh. It's good and they stuff. were like, yeah, that guy is a bum. Man, so that's why you <laughs> liked it. Because all these people just made you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're just like boosting your ego. So you got that yeah. dopamine rush. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's why you liked it. Yeah, it was really fun. I sat next to these women who uh, they all talked like Herb Brooks from the movie Miracle. Sure. You know, how he talks like this. He's like, I'm so sick and tired yeah. of the Russians. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, we just got to get another goal. Just and, and I would just say things like, oh, we're beating ourselves tonight. And every cliche just works. Just, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I think the Ducks just want it more tonight. And people were like, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think they do want it more. So, yeah, I, I love real smart. I love uh, hockey hockey phrases. There's some yeah. good ones, like some hockey only uh, cliches. Yeah, we were talking, you got to get pucks deep, get yeah, pucks oh, on net. Get pucks on net, yeah. Uh, skate. Fast, fast ice. Yeah. Uh, so I was saying those things, and I would say it, and then I'd look around kind of for affirmation. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a hockey guy. I'd be like, yeah, pucks on net. All right. Got to do it. Uh, right. But, yeah, I like St. Louis. Well. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's, had a, had a your real judgment nice has been clouded. Real nice time. Um, all right. So that's our personal pine tar of the week. Let's jump into our mixed plate this week. Uh, so the Chiefs. As we said, we're taping this right before the Chiefs play in Mexico City. Uh, but that had us thinking, 
what are our favorite Mexican restaurants in Kansas City? Uh, and we also have to put a disclaimer here. Uh, so our grandpa Manny, he started Manny's restaurant on the boulevard. Mm-hmm. So we got we to gotta take that out. So of we're taking Manny's out. We're taking it out. It's our favorite. We it love it. It is the favorite. It's delicious. Grew up eating. All the time. Monterey burritos all the time. That's how you grow Still up to be do. a big, healthy boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're taking that out of the competition. And we're going to talk about our other favorite Mexican restaurants okay. in Kansas City. So uh, whose turn? Who's I think it's your off? turn. Yes. Because I had... Uh, I had barbecue. I had Jack Stack yeah. on the smell last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, and you missed on Arrowhead. Big yeah. miss by you. <laughs> um, all right, I'm not, I'm not pandering to the yeah <laughs> to the Raytona beach yeah. All right, well, um, here's I'm just gonna go right off the bat. Fire it off. Jalapenos in Brookside, <laughs> meat number one of best Mexican restaurants in Kansas City. Love jalapenos. Uh, the Veracruz tacos, the jalapeno dip burrito, mm. the jalapeno dip, period. Mm. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Great margaritas. Love jalapenos. It's open on Sundays, too. It's open on Sundays. So we go a lot after Chiefs games. Oh, and also, even better. Manny's is not open on Sundays. Yeah. So when I am in the mood for Mexican and it's a Sunday, I'm I'm more than likely going to jalapenos. Yep. All right. Great choice. Great choice. Um, my number one. I've talked about it all the time. El Pollo Rey. El Pollo Rey. On it was Kansas on my list. Avenue. Um, El Pollo Rey. If you have not been to El Pollo Rey on the in KCK, please go. It is an experience like you've never had before at a restaurant. They just have oh, just walking in. Yeah, man, walking the smells in. They right probably there. not exaggerating. Thirty chickens, thirty full chickens mm-hmm. cooking on one giant wood burning grill. That yep. is just right out in front of you. And you there's just 30 chickens and one guy's just working the grill. So when you go into Chipotle or something and you see a guy cooking a bunch of chicken breast, it's child's play compared oh, to this. Oh, yeah. Because it's the uh-huh. full chicken um, on the grill, on the wood fire grill, um, and it just smells amazing. So, yeah, the smell is incredible. And just I love a place where um, they tell you what you're going to eat mm-hmm. and you don't tell them because mm-hmm. there's one flavor of chicken. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You can tell them how much you want. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. The orders, <laughs> the, the menu is half chicken or whole chicken. And that's it. You and that's either it. get a half chicken and or so a whole chicken. You get the chicken and you get some tortillas and you get uh, some salsas. It's a, an incredible experience. If you have not gone, go. Go to El Pollo Rey. All right. Um, uh, I'm gonna take. Um, I'm gonna take my meat number two. Oh, this is a guilty pleasure. My me ranchito. Have you ever had me ranchito? No. Oh, there's one up north. Um, and then there's one in Old Overland Park, like tucked away right by that movie theater in Old Overland Park. Oh yeah. There's oh, one I've tucked away. It. Yeah. And uh. I'm not going to sit here and claim it's super authentic. It is pretty authentic, but they also put cream cheese in burritos. Love that. And they put it in like um, uh, chimichangas too. Chimichangas. it is delicious. Also a very good queso uh, at Mi Ranchito as well. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Valid choice. Um, All right. My meat number two. I'm going. I'm going. Trendy Dan. Trendy Dan. Brookside Barrio. Oh, that is trash. <laughs> Go ahead. Make your I think, case. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you could possibly call it trash. It's mm-hmm. it's good. And um, man, yeah. they're they're um, they're. Uh, oh, what's that 
dip called? Oh, the dip with the chorizo and yeah, the queso. Yeah, yeah that, queso that fundido. Was, queso, queso fundido is dynamite. That was pretty good. They've got good margaritas, and it's got a great patio. And I think the food is is good. Um, and I like it. I like. I enjoy yeah. going there. I didn't like their tacos. I got their uh, burnt in quesadilla though. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Well, that how can that be bad? Uh, yeah, it's a tortilla burnt ends and cheese like, and probably yeah. Like I didn't like their tacos when I got their tacos though. All right, it wasn't well, for me. I like Brookside Barrio. It wasn't for me. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, let's go. Let's go back uh, to more authentic. I'm gonna go with Rudy's on Westport Road. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Going with the family. Yeah, excellent. So Manny's, Rudy's, Manny and Rudy were cousins. Cousins. Uh, so, you know, small world there. Uh, and, I mean, just, just good food all around. Great happy hour as well. Uh, good margaritas. They make a great margarita. So Rudy's, all right. Westport. I, I like that. Rudy's is good for big groups as well. Mm-hmm. Like you can go with like 13 people and and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um. All right. So my Fajitas se- are phenomenal there too. Mm-hmm. They're my side number one. Um, I'm going Nymphas. Oh, dang. That's good. So Nymphas, again, was a family we kind of grew up with. Uh, the owners, they had kids who went to St. Anne's, and they were mine and Kevin's age. And so we kind of used oh, to go there Nymphas, a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you go there, and the, so all the tortillas are made in-house in this little mm-hmm. tiny place. And instead of chips and salsa on the table, they have warm tortillas and squeezable butter. Yep. So just butter that's in the bottle. And so you just, instead of chips and salsa, you just do warm tortillas and hot butter and uh, tortillas. They make a day and they're they're so good. The tortillas are amazing. And you'll, if you sit there and have lunch one, they don't have any dishes. So it's all on paper plates or the last time it was all on paper plates and you'll just sit there and people will just come in you know, all the time get buying tortillas by the dozen. So Nympha's amazing tortillas. If you only want to get tortillas, go to Nympha's, but they also have good food too. Yeah. Really good food. All right. So this is my, uh, side number two here. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, ponchos on main. Mm. Um, I, I've honestly, I've only eaten breakfast there cause their breakfast burrito is that oh, dynamite. Wow. You got it. Wait, am I not thinking of the right place with the, with the spicy avocado? Sauce. Oh yeah, yeah. Ponchos on Main. I was like, you've been. You, you, I you went this weekend. Me. Yeah, I went exactly. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I went yesterday. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You yeah. made me feel like I was crazy there for a second. Ponchos on Main. They have this. I mean, it's a Chipotle sized breakfast mm-hmm. burrito, mm-hmm. and then you get the spicy avocado sauce on the side. Ask for the spicy avocado sauce. It's some of the best taco sauce or burrito sauce you'll yeah. ever have. Get extra. Dump a little on each bite, mm-hmm. and uh, you won't thank me later. You'll thank me in the moment, maybe mm-hmm. not later, mm-hmm. but it is a delicious breakfast burrito. Yeah, the steak and eggs. Will cure cure the worst of hangovers. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, my side number two, my final side, El Pueblito. El Pueblito. So El Pueblito. El I don't know if it's open. T- I think it's open 24-7. Okay, and it's a it's a little place across from the Royal Liquor on Southwest Boulevard. Oh, so I like know this a, place across from um, um, what's that Spanish place? Spanish. Uh, La Bodega. It's across from La Bodega on the other side called El Pueblito. It's pretty small, but like I've been there at three thirty in the morning and oh. ordering food. Like the full kitchen is still open, and 
I can't remember if it's if it's a twenty four seven or if it's, it's just that uh, open, open that till light. four yeah. or whatever. But um, incredible if you're if you're downtown and maybe town topics too packed, go a little bit further to El Pueblito because it is open late yeah. and um, and like you just bring home full menu. Wow. Oh yeah, fantastic. Just crush. All right, what any any left off there? Um, I have San Antonio's. I love San Antonio's. Oh, you love but, the tacos there. Yeah, the tacos there. I just um, felt like that was that was too on brand. I like Los Tules, right on Broadway. Oh yeah, right there. That place uh, is also really good. For lunch. Also very good queso. Uh, I have uh, San, um, Los Alamos too, which I've talked about on this show multiple. Very times. nice. Um, one that I always get recommendations for is El Patron. Still haven't been there though. Yeah, they're quite problematic. Yeah, yeah. So stayed away, uh, and then. Another guilty pleasure out in the South, K Machos. Okay, I've never been. Oh, have you heard Do of they it? They advertise on like Royals yeah, games or something. Uh-huh, K yeah. Machos. Um, you know, really good. Again, I'm not gonna sit there and say, oh, it's super authentic, but it's just really tasty food. Hey, mm-hmm. hey that's what are your thoughts on salty iguana? Uh, well, they they're a big sponsor of Bill Self and the KU Jayhawks. Okay, so very <laughs> against uh, salty iguana. Yeah, iguana dip pretty good though. Uh, so that is our mixed plate of Mexican food around Kansas City. Uh, we'll be sure to post it out there. I want to hear uh, what Mexican food you guys enjoy. So yeah, there'll probably be some some strong opinions. Everyone yes. is like very loyal to they a really handful are. Mm-hmm. Of, of Mexican restaurants. It's a very loyal relationship. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sure we'll have some, some hot And I'll be ready to takes. fight those people to the death. Yeah, fight me. <laughs> fight me. Um, all right, so that's it for this week. Uh, we actually just finished recording our uh, episode, or our interview for next week with Tamara Day, which is going to be really fun. Uh, she uh, has her own show on HGTV. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Is she like, is this her biggest guest, maybe? Um, she's up there. She's she. Has, I mean, she uh, has a national TV show. She has two seasons. Called... Yes, of a TV show on HGTV. Yes, uh, called Bargain Mansion. Uh, so we talk about. Uh, she gives me some advice for my home. How to how to mm-hmm. make it look a little nicer. Mm-hmm. We pitch her some ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about her show. Uh, talk about just home decor and and all the good stuff. Yeah. So uh, really fun episode. So we're excited to release. Yeah, that I think she week. probably is our biggest guest. Yeah, big time. Uh, all right, so thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at State Your Line. Uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and that's all we have for you this week. We'll see you around Kansas City.